This is Ryan, one of the co-hosts of the Equity, Disproportionality, and Design podcast. Back in 2019, when we planned our strategy for getting ED&D started, we knew we couldn't just create information and expect equity to happen. There had to be a framework our community could use to take that information and act. So we proposed using school-wide intervention systems as a way to promote equity. On this episode, we'll be focusing on one of those systems, Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports, or PBIS. Our guests on this episode are Mike Lombardo and Luke Anderson of the California PBIS Coalition. One thing that struck me is how much Mike and Luke push to get past the theory and get to the part where we start doing things differently so our results for students get better. You can hear that in their stories about their careers, and you can see it in how they're transforming professional development in schools. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Mike and Luke. To learn more about the California PBIS Coalition, you can visit their website at pbisca.org. And to learn more about our project, Equity, Disproportionality, and Design, you can visit our website at equityanddesign.com. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the E, B, and D podcast, South County SELPA in San Diego. I'm Marcus Jackson, along with my co-executive consultants, Olivia Rivera. How are you doing, Olivia? Good. Glad to be here today. And Ryan Estriado. How's it going, Ryan? Doing well. Great. So for today's guests, we are very glad to have two members of the team from the Placer County of, of Education. Michael Lombardo, Executive Director, Prevention Supports and Services, and Lucas Anderson, Senior Director, Prevention Supports and Services. Both Michael and Lucas have extensive experience in developing tiered systems of support for students, coordinating positive behavioral interventions and supports, and strengthening school climates overall. They have held educational leadership positions at the district and state level, including juvenile justice, health and human services, and mental health. Both have presented at many conferences throughout the state and at the national level. Michael and Luke are, bo are both on the leadership team at the California PBIS Coalition. You can learn, learn more about them uh, from their full bios at equityanddesign.com. We're really glad to have you guys here to share your story and learn more about your experience. So thank you guys. How you doing, uh, Mike? Doing well. Thank you so much, Marcus, for having us. Glad to have you here. And Luke, how you doing? I'm doing well, Marcus. Glad to be here with you. Great. Okay, guys, I think uh, when we learn to talk to schools, we want to make sure, and, and representatives from schools, tell us a little bit about your journey. We, we have, uh, you know, your bios are really extensive. I know um, a lot of people talk about doing the work, and I know you guys have done work over the many years. But we also like to talk, what is your educational journey? How did you get started in education? So how don't we start with uh, you, Mike? Can you get, can you give us an idea of how you started off. Thanks, Marcus. Um, I have I I may be the unicorn in, in education. <laughs> I started my journey about thirty years ago, actually, as a probation officer. Um, so I I worked in probation for a number of years. Uh, moved to Placer County from Nevada County into what what we call our children's system of care. It's a collaboration between child welfare, mental health social services. Um, I left probation to become their assistant director of, of mental health and social service programs. 
I did that for a number of years. And then um, Placer County Office of Ed kind of offered me a, a, a dream position uh, to come to the county office and help support teachers locally, uh, regionally, think about working with children differently. So we really wanted to help staff in education understand how to work with children and families in a different way than maybe we had traditionally worked with them. Uh, so I came to, to Placer and uh, I tell this story sometimes. I, you get to your first day of work, you know, and you, you, you go to your boss and you say, okay, what are we gonna do? And she looked me square in the eye and said, that's why we hired you, Michael. Go, go do what you do. And it's been a dream job for the last 11 years. Sounds good. Very interesting. Very interesting. What about you, Luke? Um, what's your educational journey? How did, how did you get to where you are today? Oh, a good question, uh, Marcus. Um, so I got out of undergrad with a psychology degree, which meant that I had um, uh, I spent a lot of money to come out of school and be able to make about the same amount of money that I had before uh, entering school. So I was looking for a job and I ended up becoming an instructional assistant um, at Encina High School in San Juan Unified School District. And as I was doing that, decided to get my teaching credential. And as part of that, you have to do observation. And so I observed a, um, a special education classroom for kids with emotional and behavioral disabilities uh, within the district. And I thought it would look like such a great opportunity that I'd really like to switch and try that out. And so I ended up becoming an instructional assistant uh, at Thomas Kelly Elementary School. I got to work with my first partners in PBIS, Jim Wood. And then uh, ended up becoming the teacher in that program for several years. And I finished my teaching credential, um, I think it was May in 2017. And then I immediately enrolled in the school psychology program at Sac State. And when I finished that, ended up, of all places, back at Thomas Kelly. And, and became a school psychologist working with kids with emotional and behavioral disabilities. And through that journey, got a lot of opportunities to do PBIS. And importantly, um, uh, San Juan at that time, I was identified as uh, significantly disproportionate. So I was mm. able to leave my, my role and do um, more PBIS work with um, an emphasis on closing the discipline gap. And that's where I met Mike and uh, in, in doing that work. And uh, one day the opportunity came up to go to Placer and do PBIS full time. And uh, I think Mike and I both knew that that was going to be a great fit and it ended up working out and I've, I've been there uh, ever since. Oh, wow. It's great to hear. Um, and like I say, just uh, from seeing you guys, you guys have a great connection and a collaboration. It kind of stands out. And I'm going to go back to what you mentioned, Mike. You, you mentioned, a, uh, mentioned a dream position. And that kind of ties in what I'm, I want to hear from you guys as well is something within that opportunity allowed you to be inspired. So what is it about the students? And Luke, you talked a lot about the students as well. What about students inspired you to continue that particular journey and that route? Yeah, so uh, the transition from, I think, really traditional behavioral health services to education uh, was was the dream opportunity because in education we have such a impactful opportunity to work with so many students. So we can work with schools and districts and classrooms and really create a changed environment for children to succeed and thrive. 
I feel like there's there's really no other human services business that can impact children and their families or even staff in some cases uh, more than working with an education. Great. Uh, what about you, Luke? Yeah, I think uh, really similarly. Uh, one of the things that when I started my my career in education, I committed to never defining myself as a teacher or as a school psychologist. I always wanted to be a, an education professional. I wanted to be able to take everything that I'd learned on this journey and apply it in the way that would most help the kids that I worked with. And what I found in, in my journey is that doing things like you know, positive behavior interventions and supports is that that big lever that I feel like I can pull and, and make a, a, an impact that's felt across, you know, the region, uh, that, that's felt across the, the state, and it's an area that's really needed. So we have this big lever in this area of need, and the work that we do is, is really impactful, and, and it, it affects you know, young people for, for their whole lives if we can change the trajectory that, that they're on, or if we can help them get a little bit more connected to school or see their school as a little bit more affirming. And I think that's always resonated with me and it's always been what's kept me in this work and, and drives me forward. That was powerful. <laughs> um, building those relationships, connecting students to schools. Now, okay, let's, let's go back to, um, so Mike was there, he had the support of someone who was allowing him to think outside the box at Placer County uh, Education. And then you came there. So what was that like in terms of how did you guys come to the idea to say, okay, now we're both here together. How do we implement this across our, our county office for our schools? I think it was really going back to that idea of um, kind of reaching out and looking at schools as, as a community. Um, you know, I'll talk sometimes about uh, reaching across the sidewalk or breaking down those barriers between school and community or school and family. I think to be really successful, um, we have to include our, our community, uh, nonprofit agencies, families, and other stakeholders to, to rally around and be part of, of supporting children in a, in a new way. Um, and, and honestly, I think that increases family voice and equity and the things that we really want to see happen on campus. Oh, really good point there, uh, Mike. Uh, Luke, anything else you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I think I would just add that one of the, the things that's been great about my experience in Placer County is I came into you know, the Placer County Office of Vet as a pretty traditional, um, traditionally trained school employee, right? I, I had a, kind of a behavioral background, but I didn't understand the larger system. And so being at Placer County and um, being a part of, a, I think, a highly functional county that does you know, integration well, that does collaboration well, has allowed me to, to see you know, how does probation support kids? How does you know, uh, health and human services do that support? What does it look like to work together to really try to build an effective system? And so that's been the, the neat learning that's happened. And um, I think that's been so much of, of what I've enjoyed about being at Foster uh, County Office. That's great to hear. Um, let me ask you guys, because I know uh, a lot of times when you're at schools or even county offices and the new ideas are coming out there in terms of implementing new things, were, were there any challenges when you guys initially started uh, implementing the ideas? Oh, yeah. Um, we, 
we in Placer County have had uh, a collaboration for 30 years plus integrated mental health, uh, probation, child welfare, education. And I think the biggest challenge is when you start to look at a model um, like that or um, having different stakeholders work with schools is um, there's a, a professional language barrier. Um, sometimes we will use acronyms in front of families or I'll use our industry acronyms and, and, and lingo in front of other stakeholders and they'll nod and say that they know what you're talking about or and, and oftentimes they don't. And so it's important, I think, to sort of break down some of those um, traditional or like the lingo that we use and, and be better communicators. I also think that it's important to uh, really think about everybody's role um, and respect where they're coming from. So when you try to do this level of integrated services, whether it's at a county level, a school site, or, or our work, Marcus, in the PBIS coalition, we all have different roles and perspectives. And it's important to, to see that, you know, a, a, an opinion of a school psychologist is just as important as an opinion from a, a MFT or a LCSW social worker or a, a school resource officer or a family representative. Question about uh, the PBIS coalition. So you just finished saying, Mike, that we use a lot of lingo in our professional jargon, right? And um, for people in our audience who may not be familiar, if if uh, either you or Luke, either one of you can talk about what is the California PBIS coalition? Um, I'm new to the CELPA, it's my second year. And to be honest, I didn't even know that this organization existed until two years ago. So you know, when I was a special education director or school psychologist, I could have accessed these resources and didn't. So, you know, in order to prevent that from happening in the future, right, let's tell our audience about, you know, what they can find, you know, how the California PBS Coalition can support them and their students. Yes, thank you so much, Olivia. This is a, this is a, a passion project for us and for me. The, the California PBS Coalition is a larger collaboration of organizations across the state, county offices and CELPAs. Uh, we're organized region, regionally in all 11 of the SESA regions, county superintendent regions, um, to help support the evidence-based implementation of PBIS. Uh, we noticed 10 years ago when we started that there was a lot of implementation happening in California without the technical assistance necessary to to really get those strong outcomes for children um, and for the school environment. So, so we organized ourselves into a coalition, um, you know, like I said, made up regionally. We have a core leadership team um, from each of the 11 regions or well, from seven of the 11, we're still working on a few of the regions, but we're super proud uh, to have Marcus as part of that core leadership team and Luke and and other counties um, and CELPAs throughout California. Luke, is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Uh, I think the other thing that's worth just noting about the coalition is the coalition really is a, a coalition of the willing. Um, we are not you know, a, a group that receives a giant pot of money or a giant grant. Um, we are you know, a group of people that come together to do this work because we, we all care about it and we, we volunteer our time 
And um, it's also just a group that's centered around you know, some core values around what schools should look like and who schools should serve and how they should serve them. And I think that's been the, the great part of the coalition and part of why I think we've had good staying power is we're not really dependent on too much other than our, our core beliefs and our core values and our connection to each other. Uh, so I think that's you know a worth, worthwhile piece just to note in terms of how we, how we come together. Mike, I think a, an interesting part of the story that you just told is the realization that a while back when, when, when all this started, that there was, uh, there was technical assistance that, that was missing, which is a term, you know, we use this term a lot, which I think means um, some level of support, whether that be through coaching or material, something closer, a little bit more personal than just training um, and maybe more relationship-based. And we think about this a lot too, because, you know, we sort of pondered this idea of like, we, ha- we put together a lot of training material and uh, certainly there's some research that training, you know, just kind of putting people in front of training is not, um, doesn't always result in change. But we also know that anecdotally, like, you know, we, that's something we've experienced on both ends of either giving trainings and also receiving it. Um, and so I love that you brought that up and I'm just wondering what, uh, what, when was the moment that you realized that something has got to be done differently about the way that we get this content out to people so that it actually affects the change in sort of professional behaviors? Mike, what's your take on that? Yeah, um, interesting you asked that, Ryan, because honestly, it was before we got involved in PBIS, our positive behavior supports, and before the coalition. So as we embarked on this idea of really transforming schools here in Placer, um, and which I think collided with a lot of other people who were thinking the same thing at the same time, you know, we in education and, and really many different professions have, have participated in these one day type of events. And we know they don't uh, initiate a lot of sustainability or a lot of change or application. So we made a conscious decision, if we're going to do this, we need to do it in the most evidence-based, efficacious way possible, and, or don't do it at all, right? Because you know, it, it won't cause the change for children that we wanted to see. So when we set out on this journey, the goal was to really look at um, who are the, the leaders around the country, how can we bring those people together and um, use a, a form of implementation science that meant we would be able to monitor, were we doing what we said we would do for the people participating in the training, which means we're doing what we said we would do for children and, and staff in schools. Um, and the, the coalition was kind of born from that actually at 10 years ago. It, the collection of us happened to be at a conference at, um, in Orange County hosted by the Orange County Office of Education. And we were able to get that first group of stakeholders together with Dr. Rob Horner from the University of Oregon. And um, it was that day that we all said, okay, are we, are we really committed to do this? And how can we collectively work together um, to, to make that impactful change? And, and Make, make no bones about it, it is hard work. It's, it's a lot easier to do a one-day training and say, we're good, check the box. 
but it, it is hard work. And, and Luke referenced, we have a, a strong, dedicated group of individuals who are willing to lean in and do that hard work. I so appreciate that you named how hard that is, because it really is. It's such a huge challenge. So Luke, if I were a, a district special ed director, and, and I thought to myself, I'm, I'm done with the one-day training uh, thing. I want to do something that is going to get my staff not only to the training where we can learn together, but then also back to the office where we are actually beginning to do something different um, as influenced by the training that, that, that we've done. What's some advice that you'd give me? Oh, great question, Ryan. I think if, you know, if, I, if I were a special ed director, number one, I would, I would probably have lost the last little bit of hair I have. Um, so uh, call that out. Um, I think the most important thing to do if, if you're in that seat, you're in the special ed director, is your first call needs to be to whomever um, is going to be supervising principals uh, in your school district, right? You need to get that person on board because PBIS is, is, is implemented at the school level and principals drive schools. Uh, so, you know, first step, get your, you know, your, your assistant superintendent or your director, whomever is, is directly in charge of supporting schools, get that person involved. Um, and then I think find yourself a good you know, technical assistance center, somebody that, that's experienced in this work and that's done this work before. And then they're gonna guide you on a series of steps in terms of you know, forming a district leadership team, forming school site implementation teams, building you know, the infrastructure to, to make your school district hospitable to PBIS, we oftentimes, you know, um, we'll, we'll work with a school, and if they don't have that, then they're they're feeling like this like fighting effort to try to get something like PBIS installed. But if we work with the district first, uh, and then the district's thinking about things like coaching, they're thinking about things like policy, you know, and they're they're aligning long-term strategies for for funding the work, and they're putting PBIS on the website. It's a much easier journey, right? We've now created hospitable place for this work to happen. Yeah, and that's that's when you know you're going to be in a good spot with anything, whether it be PBIS or a literacy initiative or whatever you're doing. In terms of uh, our students with disabilities, how do they fit into the PBIS framework from, from your perspective? That's a good question, Marcus, and I'll, I'll jump in. I'm sure I know Mike's got thoughts. Mike, you know, um, sense of background and, and doing a lot of special education work. I think the most important thing to remember is is essentially PBIS started. Um, with ideas that were that were made for our, our young people with the most intensive behavioral needs, right? So this, this thinking around functional behavior assessment and behaviorist communication and behavior science and and the folks that developed PBIS and took that and applied it to school setting. So it, it really is designed with you know with with the idea of supporting um, young people with disabilities right from the beginning, and they're going to get supported, right? They're um, through all three of the tiers, right? So it doesn't matter if you have um, an IEP, doesn't matter if you have significant communication challenges, tier one PBIS needs to be comprehensible to you, right? You need to be able to access tier one PBIS. And then we're going to come with this idea that may not be enough, but we need to design it in a manner that you can access it. And then we'll think about all right, maybe we need some additional support, something like tier two, all the way, of course, to, you know, like an individualized strategy. Um, and then I could probably talk about this the whole rest of the podcast, and I won't. Um, but I think the, the last thing to think about is, 
if you are a young person with an IEP, you are part of the school first, right? So sometimes we think about, oh, school-wide PBIS, so that's for students that don't have IEP. No, it's for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not going to not give a student an effective intervention and not place them in an effective system because they have an IEP. That, that is not a recipe for, for good outcomes. Uh, so it, it's at the heart of it. And I think actually some of the best outcomes we see are for, for students with IEPs. Uh, and it's great you, you mentioned that, Luke, and that goes back into the question of equity. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone is designing equity throughout their, their districts. And um, how does equity fit in with PBIS? I think it's, a, it's an important question. And I think it was, it's been implicitly a part of PBIS since the beginning, and it's become mm -hmm. increasingly an explicit part. So even you know, back in, in 2011, there was a, an article published by body of incidents and colleagues that really took what we call the PBIS element. So if you're kind of PBIS geeky like Mike and I are, Marcus, you, you realize that PBIS is not about a ticket, right? It's really about these four elements, right? They're outcomes, right? And how we get outcomes are, we think about data, system, and practice. So from an equity standpoint, um, we center equity in our outcomes, in our data, in our systems, and in our practice. That means we, we look to make sure that data that we're measuring is, in fact, culturally relevant and valid, right? So does everybody at our school site think of that data as important, right? And we say, those are our core outcomes, right? So does everybody find that important? And then we look at our data and we're going to say, does PBIS work for everybody? We're going to disaggregate our data. We're going to say, all right, it's great that you know, we're seeing reductions in referrals. We're, we're seeing improvements in school climate, but are we seeing that for everybody? That is that what we're seeing? And then like our systems, does our team represent our community? So PBIS is powerful. And one of the things that's a little bit dangerous about power, right, is we can deploy PBIS in a manner that either brings people in, right? We can say, we care about your values and we're gonna have those reflected in our school expectations. We care about, you know, what you wanna see in terms of how students are acknowledged and how we respond to you know, behavioral errors, or we can say we don't care, right? Or we're gonna design a system that's just about the, you know, the, the few folks that already have voice in our school. Um, so you know, thinking about how do we give voice to, to our community? Um, and then of course with practices, like are the practices not only effective, but are they seen as affirming? And I think that's an important point, right? We can say, yeah, we've, we've, we have re eliminated our, disproportionality. We have no longer have a discipline gap. So every student is just as likely to receive a referral or a suspension. But that's only part of the story, right? If we got there in a way that harmed people, that drew them away from our school, then we just haven't really, you know, we haven't succeeded. So we also have to ask this question to everybody, right? To, to every racial and ethnic group, to every group in our school. Do you like what PBIS feels like at your school? Do you like our expectations? Do they affirm your beliefs? Do they affirm your culture? Do they affirm your values? Do they draw you in? And I think that's going to be maybe the next, you know, the next focus of, uh, of PBIS and equity as we, as we move forward. I get a little preachy and I, I apologize, but I, I think it's just, it's important. And it's not, we can't think about equity at a superficial level. We have to think about it as the, as the entire system. 
And we have to keep asking, right? Like, are we getting the, these outcomes that we that we really truly want? So I think that's part of part of where this this work in PBIS can, can lead to improved outcomes. I think something that you said, Luke, about you know uh, are basically you know do we like what we're doing for students and how we're doing it for students. We do PB, we implement PBIS in order to support students, but the piece that we also actually need to acknowledge is that we're supporting we're supporting teachers and supporting students through the PBIS framework, um, so that teachers feel more successful at what they've dedicated their lives to, right? As um, providing education and instruction, and then by um, default, we're also supporting the communities, our parents. Um, because they're obviously are going to be um, happier that their students are having successful educational experiences. So um, it's it's a win-win, challenging, as we've um, said, but it takes a lot of work. But in the end, it just yields such great fruit for all the stakeholders. Uh, great, great point, Olivia. Uh, Luke, if you're going to preach like that, man, you can keep on preaching. We love, we love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask you guys, um, in terms of implementing PBIS with Fidelity, are there tools out there that someone would utilize? Can you kind of share with our, our audience? What could they utilize if they're trying to evaluate their PBIS? What's a good tool for them to utilize? Yeah, so we turn schools um, to the use of PBIS assessments. And at PBIS assessments, schools can access tools like the tier Fidelity inventory, um, which allows them to measure how are we implementing um, PBIS across our school site at tiers one, two, and three. Um, are we are we doing what we said we were going to be doing, and how well are we doing that? Um, so, so that is one of the tools that we use. And in California, we use that as part of our California recognition system in order to help schools one help identify schools that are doing PBIS, but also help identify what additional supports do schools need um, in, in supporting, in, for us to support our schools that are implementing. So we use it that way. Another tool on PBIS assessments is um, the school-wide information system, SWISS, and that allows us to really drill down and measure at a school site, are the outcomes that we're seeing um, the ones we want to have. So we're able to look at across the school site, what does um, discipline look like? Who are the children involved? Who are the staff involved? Um, how can we support students as a result of a measure and, and using data for decision-making? Well, I, would, I would just add too that, that Mike and I are lucky to be in this position um, that we're in within the coalition. And we, we also have access to the, um, the top secret PBIS assessment uh, field test site, which has a couple of uh, kind of esoteric additional uh, instruments. So, you know, if you're out there doing PBIS work and you're working with your um, your your uh, local TA center, uh, we do have access to some other some other great tools. Uh, one of them is the um, user satisfaction survey. And so that was that tool that I was mentioning, or this uh, this idea I was mentioning that it's not just enough to look at things like office assistant referrals, but if we want to ask some questions like uh, you know, how much do, are folks resonating with our with our practices? How much do our students, our staff, our community, and do we want to be able to break that down? 
um, demographically. We, we have that access to, to that tool as well and, some, and a number of other ones too. Thank you. Thank you. We'll make sure we put those websites on um, the link for you guys. Um, let me ask you this, uh, in terms of um, the pandemic, uh, uh, really took schools for a loop, took all of us for a loop. We had to readjust how we were doing things. And I know in some areas, in some districts, they're now thinking about the reopening situation. And so um, how do you think that will impact schools in, in, in terms of having a plan for their, their systems and just connecting with the social emotional learning that um, kids are gonna require as well as staff members going back into their, their schools? I don't, you know, I don't know how you would begin to open a school, honestly, without having PBIS in place. Uh, it will make it so much easier because you've already established, you know, the, the school expectations, for instance, might be safe, respectful, responsible. And it's a, a relatively easier pivot to say, what does safe look like at our campus as we return to school? Well, it's going to involve additional things like washing hands, social distancing, wearing face coverings, um, and things like that, right? Um, how do we, what do we do when we sneeze? So if a school is using a PBIS framework, they have some pretty well-established systems for teaching students and staff what those expectations are. So as schools come back, if they are schools that are using PBIS, it makes it much, much easier to think about how do I incorporate these new expectations into um, whatever our school-wide expectations are for, for students and for staff, to be honest. Occasionally, I think we find schools are very static and they'll say, well, these are our expectations. And, and it's not... It's not a poster on a wall. It's meant to be fluid and, and adjust to the environment before us. So I would, I would encourage schools to really look at what do we want to see and what types of supports. And then and the second part of that, and I think Luke will talk about it more, is it allows the adults on campus to really take a good, hard look at a school site. So we know if we're teaching these expectations, and we're doing that explicitly in a way that, you know, children can access it and understand what's expected of them. Then we can start to look at the data on the school site and determine what students might need a little bit more. Um, if, if students are you know, returning to a chaotic environment where there's loose expectations or loose um, you know, roles or then it's a much harder to measure that environment, right? And see who needs additional social emotional support. Um, and then, you know, I think another way, and Luke might want to talk about a strategy of greeting children at the door or other strategies. Yeah, I think that's a good one, Mike. And we're gonna um, do a, a summary of that article. We've been talking to uh, Dr. Clayton Cook uh, about summarizing that for our newsletter, which will be coming out pretty quick. Um, the other thing I just wanted to add is, as Mike's talking about this, is these are not, you know, these are not things that just exist in theory. Uh, I can tell you right now that um, Mike might not want me to tell you where the URL is, but there are videos that we made, you know, at our office for the adults in our office that star Mike, that are, I'm unfortunately in as well, that Mike's son helped us shoot, of, of us just showing folks, like, how do you wear a face mask, right? You think about, like, early on in the pandemic. How do you wear a face mask? What does it really look like to be 
know, six feet apart. What does it look like to wash your hands the right way? Um, you know, and we we made videos like that for our entire agency. And the effect that it had was it, it, is when you do things that work as they work, right? And so, you know, if you walk into our offices, people, you know, generally know how to stay safe, you know, in the time of COVID. And we used EBIS practices to, to teach people that. Uh, so, you know, we, we can talk about it all day long, but the reality is, is, is even in, you know, our adult world here, we, we use these strategies. Uh, and the videos are actually pretty funny too. So, uh, I had somebody ask me, um, aren't you worried about working in the office? Everyone's working from home. So no, you know, our office is probably one of the safest environments, you know, because they really installed those protocols and, and you don't see people walking around with the mask under their nose. Um, you know, people, so, uh, you know, I, I, I props to our superintendent and our cabinet for recognizing we have a group of people who know how to train what the expectations are. Let's use that. And this is a great conversation. Just really been a, a really appreciative of you guys uh, coming on today and sharing uh, so much uh, about systems and connecting and building mm -hmm. relationships and just the work you've done over the years. Once again, we really appreciate that. We also, uh, before you go, we want to ask you guys we, we, about Placer County. What, what is your favorite restaurant? What do you do? When you're off time in Placer County, what's some fun things you guys do out there? You know, it, it's, we're in education and, and I feel like during this pandemic, that's, those opportunities have been fewer and farther between because as a, as a group, uh, educators have, have given so much of, of their lives to children. And it's, you know, it's an honor to be part of that community. And we, we tend to uh, put our kids first and our community's kids. Um, you know, and, and like everybody else, I think over the last year, I have a freshly painted house. I have a new garden. Um, I put some doors up. <laughs> so probably a lot of home improvements and some outdoor hiking and things like that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, you know, come jumping off the, uh, the hiking piece, you know, Placer County's got some, some beautiful trails, um, and you know the the lake's great. My wife and I often say, you know, we go out to, to Folsom Lake. If we were on vacation and we came to this place, like we would be so thrilled, and we would come back. Um, so just a lot of great outdoor things, and uh, I do also just want to you know piggyback on what Mike said. You know, everybody's been working. I, my wife's a, a school district administrator, and in, mm. uh, in Placer County, and you know we. You know, we, I know we've been scrambling, but these folks in schools and at school district offices have been, have been, have been doing this immense lift, and, and they're not seeing the outdoors, they're not seeing outside, uh, and we just so appreciate them and you know, look forward to you know, a time, hopefully in the future, where school returns to more normal and you know, the chief academic officers of the world get to be chief academic officers and not, you know, um, chief nursing officer or the chief public health officer for their school districts. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that's going to be, you know, a, a great moment for, for everybody in education, hopefully regardless of where you are. But if you do come to Placer County, go on a hike. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, once again, guys, like we tell other school representatives, uh, please take care of yourself as well. So you can take care and help take care of your community. So we appreciate that. 
Um, any uh, websites, any, any websites you want to put out there for our audience? Yeah, definitely have folks visit pbisca.org. Um, on the website, they'll be able to find upcoming events. Uh, we have one now in September scheduled with the Department of Education and the University of North Carolina to look at um, what one of your questions was, Marcus, Marcus the, the use of SEL. Mm -hmm. uh, scaffold to or braided to the framework of PBIS um, while, while recognizing the importance of implementation science. And then uh, we're all keeping our fingers crossed. If we keep going the way we're going in California, we plan on having an in-person conference uh, in September. And so you can find information about that on the website. You could also find out who your regional leads are by going to, um, to pbisca.org and then just click on state implementation or regional implementation. Perfect. And is there a, a Twitter account for uh, PBIS Co 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 Coalition? Luke's our, Luke's our social media guy. So oh, <laughs> you put me on the spot. I believe it is PBIS underscore PCOE at PBIS underscore PCOE. Uh, you can also just search for um, PCOE. Uh, on the Twitter, and I'm sure it will come up as well. Um, and uh, lots of great things happening. And we also have a California PBIS Coalition one uh, that is, I believe, <laughs> CA <laughs> underscore PBIS. I should have had these candy. I apologize. Uh, mm -hmm. But again, search Twitter. You can see them in their link uh, on our, our website as well. And we've got a beautiful website that Mike mentioned, pbisc.org. Um, and lots of great resources there. Perfect. And we'll put those next to your bios on our website as well. Once again, uh, Michael, look, we really appreciate you putting time with us today. Thank you all. And thanks for joining us at the END podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mike and Luke. Thank you very much. Thank you all so much, uh, Olivia, Ryan, Marcus. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us, guys. And Marcus, we'll see you at the CPC uh, meetings here in the future. All right, I'll be there. <laughs>